welcome to another episode of the Trailer Island Podcast. I am your host, Alex, and I'm joined by... Matthew. And Steve. Steve. Oh, Steve. Wonderful Steve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I guess Matthew as well. I guess I'm yeah. also here. <laughs> uh, this week we've got another request, a, a film that's come through as a request of mm. sorts. We will get to it. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. We will get to it. But first, we've got a couple of thank yous that we need to get through to say thank you to those of you that have helped us get the Trailer Island uh, podcast up and running, which I guess has been a series of fortunate Yes, indeed. And And we're at episode nine now, aren't we? So we've got a nice little flow going with these, which is lovely. We've almost exited single digits and we're we're about to get into the double digits. It's exciting, yeah, I guess. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> we go from UK series to US TV series. Oh, all right then. Oh, wow. Uh, so first of all, we need to put out a big thank you to the narrative marketing team who support this podcast. They are just beautiful people. They are. They are. Amelia Ville and Christopher Warman, who have been looking after us for the last couple of months, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they'll continue to do so. They're wonderful people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Steve? Uh, our wonderful uh, graphics designer for... Uh, all of our logos, the website, and all that. Uh, that's uh, Deanna Kyo. Is it Kyo? Ko? Kyo. Okay. That's embarrassing. Uh, we yeah, just call yeah. it D. Uh, you can find her at uh, Deanna Kyo, one word, on Instagram. And for all your business needs. So if you've looked at our any of our artwork, she is responsible for it, and it yeah. is good. I, Those I, characters are amazing. They are, I've never had someone draw a character of me before, and, and I thought it was brilliant. So this film is another request. It's kind of how it came through. It came through as more of a request for the current Netflix TV series. That's right, yeah. But we're going to focus on the 2004 film. I can't believe it's 2004. Which is a little bit crazy. Yeah. And to help us do that, I've just... During the week, I was going through the island classifieds and mm. I figured, well, if we're going to go back to 2004, we're going to need some help to get back there. Oh, Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I purchased a new boat. Would you like Ooh. to see my boat? Oh, yes. Okay, hang on. I'll just bring it. Uh, yep, bring it in. Bring it in. Yep. Thank you, Steve, for calling it out. So that was, that's actually my new tugboat that I purchased. Oh, wonderful. Wow. It's my time tug. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I think we're a bit lukewarm on that one. <laughs> so we've brought the time tug through. There's a better way to phrase that. <laughs> Why? It's just a tugboat. And it's a a time-travelling tugboat. Does this mean we've moved beyond wind power now? We've actually got engines and stuff in these boats. I honestly don't know how the tugboat operates. Yeah, right. Sand. I thought it was sand. Possibly through sand. But all I know is it's a time-travelling tug. Right. It's a good thing we're sort of semi-established by now because any new listeners are just going to tune out now, aren't they? No, I think they should be excited by the time tug. I'm excited. Are we going back to 2004 in the time tug? We are going back to 2004. Wow. What a time for it's a it's a lemony Snickers on series no, no, no. of unfortunate events. Let's, time tug. Let, let, let's do that again, shall we? So we're traveling back to two thousand and four with uh, lemony Snickets, a series of unfortunate events. At times, the world can seem an unfriendly and sinister place, but believe us when we say that there is much more good in it than bad seem to be a series of unfortunate events may in fact be the first steps of a journey our journey begins here at the home of our new guardian hello 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 i am your beloved count olaf three orphans my dear violet 
an unscrupulous guardian. All I ask is that you do each and every little thing that pops into my head while I enjoy the enormous fortune your parents left behind. We're very concerned. Based on the series of best-selling books, you're invited to discover... This way, to the reptile room. A world built by imagination, ruled by invention, and strung together by a series of unfortunate events. DreamWorks Pictures and Paramount Pictures present Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. And then the unthinkable happened. Now that we're family, I can be the ultimate dad. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Back in the days when trailers had voiceovers. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just, that's pleasant nostalgia right there. I really, I feel like we've, we, we've lost that kind of trailer making. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. No, it's all Inception horn noises now. And it's a lot like, different, yeah. There's yeah. a trailer. So that was the original trailer. There's a trailer that came out maybe five years ago when YouTube got the streaming rights to this film. Oh. And the first half of it is a completely different trailer. The yeah. second half, you know, has echoes of that. But the first half is completely recut in that modern style. But okay. listening to or watching that kind of trailer again was just sort of like, why don't we do that anymore? <laughs> I think I watched the YouTube exclusive trailer, yeah, which has got a, a different voiceover guy, but still, it's just like the same gravelly voice. In that trailer, I think the voiceover you hear is Jude Law. Oh, who is a character? Well, he's the narrator. He's Lemony Snicket. Well, yeah, he plays in this film. Lemony he Snicket. plays Lemony Snicket, which I originally thought was Jim Carrey's character. Oh, there you go. So okay. I was completely wrong with how that works. Yes. Now, so obviously, Steve, you and I, I believe, we've both seen this film when it first came out. Yeah. Um, but all the way back in 2004, which is hard to believe. But Alex, you have never seen this before. Had you Have you watched the Netflix TV show? This was my first exposure to the okay. franchise at all. I know that this is based on a series of 13 books, I believe. Uh, that, that's right, yeah. And I never saw the film when it came out. I haven't seen the Netflix TV series and I really enjoyed the film. Oh, awesome. Excellent. I watched it for the first time today. There you go. Because someone requested it. And I was like, well, I guess we have to do it now. <laughs> oh, I, th- I was really excited to go back to this one. It's one of my favorite childhood mm-hmm. films. So 2004, yeah, I was definitely in the single digit age number when this came out then. But um, yeah, I, think it's, I think it's a marvelous film. You can definitely feel that the, the tone in those trailers sort of trying to capitalize on the, the Harry Potter sensation. Absolutely. Lots of like sort of creeping shots, fog, uh, fades. It was weird sort of going back to rewatch that trailer because obviously when I was a kid, obviously I saw the trailer and then saw the film. And going back to that trailer after so long, I think it's amazing how they are clearly trying to to market this this film as being a lot more kid friendly than i think it actually is because there's there's mm-hmm. this film's got some darkness to it in in areas yeah. it's of, it is a lot of fun it is a comedy it's got a lot of heart but that trailer like you say is very much this is a this is a harry potter kind of alternative and it's the film isn't really yeah. that is it uh no it's definitely not it's, it's probably more gothic dark than anything i would call it yeah it doesn't shy away from its source material i believe and and in the title itself it's a series of unfortunate events and it doesn't hide from any of that it addresses all of those issues of depression and suicide Mm. and this this is a kid's film but i think it's quite well framed in a way that like you know the world building is there from the very start 
I don't, it's this beautiful sort of, the art style is there from the very beginning. It establishes what it kind of film it's going to be. It literally tells you in the narration, this is not the film you think it's yeah, going to be. I, and I've always loved the way that this film starts with the happiest little elf. And you th- and, and it, it, it's, <laughs> the, I think what I like about it is the film is, is very aware that it is sort of raising up some of these heavier themes, but it's also very willing to laugh at itself yeah. along the way. Much like the books were able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of my favorite passages in the books I think it's in the first book is Klaus found himself reading the same sentence over and over again Klaus I found himself that. and yeah. he, you know the sentence is there three times the first time you read that you you actually think you're reading it just over yeah. and over again like it's really clever that kind of clever kind of um, self-referential humor mm-hmm. um, that is, that's from the books I think this film has perfectly captured without sort of going overboard perhaps but, unlike the Netflix show which which I found was a bit depressing unlike this film um it definitely <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I definitely like the, whole, the the film as a whole, but again, uh, for you and I, Matt, who have read the books mm. probably you know end to end a couple of times, this this definitely feels like it was ripped from the pages and maybe just mutated a little bit for our screens. And I don't feel don't know how I feel about the mutation okay. itself. And just for your information, Alex, this film is in fact the first three books yeah. together. Yes, I I did a little bit of searching and discovered that mm. yeah and talking of the plot for people who haven't who don't know this story i suppose we should actually just sort of give a rundown of what actually yeah. happens in this so we're sort of centered on the the baudelaire children who at the beginning of this film and indeed the beginning of the story are are orphaned their parents die in a, in a fire and they're taken to stay with their closest relative and when they say closest they mean <laughs> geographically speaking not by actual relation count olaf who in the film is played by jim carrey and we immediately know that Jim Carrey, uh, Count Olaf, is a is a villain. Um, he clearly does not care for these these poor children, and is only after really their inheritance. And then the series of unfortunate events takes place of him basically trying to get his hands on it. It's quite. A, I always I, the reason I love this film, and I always have, like we were talking about Jojo Rabbit, is it give me laugh, it give me cry, and it does <laughs> it does that so well. Um, I find it a very emotional film, and yet. I always laugh. I, even though I've seen it about a hundred times, it always makes me laugh. I think the the maybe the favorite part of this is again, and it follows on from the like just how just how true it does stay the books. It's just how well Jim Carrey is suited to that character. <laughs> oh, he was born to play it. You, you read all thirteen of those books, and and the picture you get in this mind is is, is this like blurry sort of like whimsical gothic like uh, actor, and then in two thousand four they they come out and. Jim Carrey is going to be the Count Olaf. And you go, holy, I've got a face to that sort of mental image I've got now. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. it works so perfectly well. And he, he doesn't disappoint in this movie whatsoever. So when you find like Sir Patrick Stewart was always perfect for Professor X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ian McKellen for Gandalf, example. Yeah, you example. can't see any other character or person playing that role. Yeah. It seems only logical that Jim and Carrey seemed to be the person that's that was right, Count Olaf. J- Jim Carrey is clearly having so much fun. He is. Now, Jim Carrey in this film is is he's hilarious, but he's also quite a menacing presence. Yeah, yeah. He actually plays the more darker side, the more realistic side, perhaps of the situation they're in quite well. Um, I think he nails this this part. Mm-hmm. So, um, throughout the film, he Count Olaf is an actor by trade. Um, in the in the film, he is a notoriously bad actor, and basically to try and as as the film progresses, he he plays different people to try and trick. Um, the adults who are trying to take care of these the Baudelaire orphans into, um, well, yeah, basically so he can get his hands on them. And Jim Carrey very effortless, effortlessly 
goes through and plays all these all these characters. Um, Stefano, the I am an Italian man, and <laughs> and also Captain Sham. God, that that Stefano voice is just just amazing. I love that voice so much. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching, believe it or not, this on a DVD. Oh right, and. One thing you miss with streaming is you miss all the bonus features. When you've put a DVD in, you know, it's a tangible thing. You put it in your device and then there are all these bonus features. And yes, Netflix does have some of that, but mm. it doesn't have the true... You can't. You forget what DVDs actually have. Yeah. It's a full entertainment. You forget that DVDs came with a second disc of just special features. Yeah. You know? That was great. And there are all these bonus features of just Jim Carrey and the director trying to discover mm. the character and the Italian <laughs> character sort of came on the day of filming out of mm. almost nothing and just the voice that he comes up with because originally he's quite sort of this greasy, slimy yeah. character. In the book, literally the only sort of defining characteristic that Stefano has was... No eyebrow and and a big long beard. <laughs> uh, what I love as well is making fun of of him being such a bad actor. He always immediately explains his character's backstory because <laughs> he's so proud of it, yeah. even though it's not nat- like, oh, my moustache is askew because I was I was this. My face has been reconstructed, and he's like, you, I think it's part of the brilliant thing about the the sort of more serious side of this film is the kids immediately always see through his ruse of this is Count Olaf, but all the adults are always fooled by it. They go, yeah. yeah, this isn't him. I don't know what the kids are talking about. This is whoever he says he is. I always find that the film plays with that frustration as like for an audience member to go, well, how, how are you fooled by this mm-hmm. so well? But it never goes, I don't think it ever goes too far. Yeah, well, that's what I really liked talking about the world building. There are two points that I want to talk about that. One is the is going on about how the none of the adults seem to be able to see through the ruse and it really connects well, I guess with its target audience of children who may think oh these adults just don't understand me <laughs> yeah. how is it you know I'm trying to explain all these things but no one's listening to me no one's uh, believing me so it really pushes quite um, to a point about how children perceive the world yeah and they do that quite well and I thought the film really did that in a tidy sort of so. way and it was consistent too. Yeah, because a lot of the camera angles are actually down from the yeah. eye line of the children. A lot of the adults are cut off at sort of waist or chest height. You never really sort of see their faces. It, it's quite cleverly done. And obviously Poe, played by uh, Poe the Banker, who's trying to move these kids around, played by Timothy Spall, so brilliantly mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Timothy Spall, <laughs> is is like one of the chief figures for this kind of... Um, I don't know, oblivious. Or yeah. He just has no idea what's going oh, he on. He frustrated me so yeah. much. The <laughs> I character can't, I can't is just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, how can you? Like, like uh, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck on train tracks because um, Count Olaf's going to try and run them over with a train and, and Poe's called through and he's saying, and the train's next to him and they're trying to say, there's a train coming. No, I can't hear you because of the train. It's yeah. like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that really plays into the frustration that children will feel about yeah. um, not being heard. And I think that's the, the reason why and I had read the books around the same time, but I, I was the perfect age for when this film mm. came out. And I think that's why I, I've, I always look at it, I think, with a bit of um, rose-tinted glasses. A bit. I have a lot of nostalgia associated with it. But I do remember thinking, it kind of. I think it was onto something yeah, with that kind of um, childhood outlook of adults maybe not understanding them 100% all the time. I probably would have been perhaps a bit old for when the film came out. Yeah. Not that I was old, but <laughs> I was I was I would have been in that later teens. Yeah, sure, sure. And probably would have gone, "Oh, this is just a kids film. I don't need to see this like like uh, it's this funny sort of blah blah blah." Uh, and I didn't see it at the time, so obviously I may have had some sort of mm. feeling about it or it just 
pass me by or whatever. But now watching it as an adult, I was like, I could really sort of read into the themes and understand what it was doing. And um, I really appreciated it for that as an adult and made me think, okay, well, when would I show uh, any children that I have this film? Mm. And it definitely wouldn't be when they're super young. No. Because there are a lot of sort of deliberately scary moments, which the film is fully aware that it's doing. People die in this film. It's not, yeah, no, it doesn't yeah. sugarcoat stuff. No, it doesn't. Um, oh, talk, talking um, before we sort of, because I'm bursting at the seams about just how good this cut, the cast is in this film. <laughs> um, so, we've, so we've got Jude Law as Lemony Snicket, who's, um, who, does, who does make a, like sort of silhouetted appearance, but he's mainly a, a narrator and he's fantastic voice in the is part. silky smooth. Silky smooth voice. Um, we've got Timothy Spalls as the banker, Poe, Jim Carrey, obviously. Uh, we've got Binny, Billy Connolly, who's yeah. one of my favorite roles I think I've ever seen him in, in this. Mm. I don't think I've seen him um, act in anything else, and um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I really do love him in this as well. Yeah, he's well, nearly headless he, Nick. Oh yeah, that's right. Correct. No, that's John Cleese. Oh, he's yeah. not nearly headless. No, Nick. he's not. Not nearly. Is he <laughs> no, in the he Harry is. Potter films? He is nearly he, headless. Nick. No, that's John Cleese. I am certain that that is John Cleese. I. We'll be right back we'll after be this right. argument. You're welcome to. Go- I'm fairly sure that that is John Cleese. I could be wrong. But uh, the the other big name, of course, is also um, Meryl Streep is in this, and she is hilarious in this mm, film. She's yeah, she's really good. Um, for what is ultimately a glorified cameo, perhaps she's only in it for about ten minutes, but she's really good. Um, who else? I think that's sort of the big players in this. I can't think of anyone uh, else. Some of uh, Cal Nolo- oh, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman appears. Oh, oh, oh yeah, he, yeah, he just turns point. up. Yeah, that's right. Some of Cal Nolo's <laughs> acting troupe are sort of big names. Craig Ferguson plays a pretty minor role as the very, looks very neither. minor role. Who was yeah. he? The man that looks neither man nor woman. Ah, oh, wow. All right, Louise Guzman. No one. Yeah, okay. Of Greendale Community College fame. Talking about you know a bit more of the behind the scenes sort of stuff, I think the style of this this film, obviously the trailer does make it out to be a kind of um, Prisoner of Azkaban style Harry Potter film. But I think how I would describe this film in terms of 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 like especially when they're down at the beach and and things that de- are sort of deliberately made to look like they're actually a film set, and I've always thought of it that it looks like a children's um, pop up book. Yeah, that's sort of what it's always looked like to me. Is and you can almost imagine like leafing through it kind of thing. Do you reckon that's um, probably like a, a big result of them using matte paintings? I think film? so. And yeah. I think they very deliberately yeah. use it. And and also this film came out 2004. There's a bit of CG in it. Some of it's aged better than others. But I actually think a lot of the CG is sort of made to look the way that it does to sort of fit in with the kind of pastel kind of yeah. Yeah, children's book kind of look. That was And that was the second p- point that I wanted to make was – the I was trying to I could not for the life of me work out where I felt like I'd seen this style of filmmaking before, you know from the opening scene when talking about the sister what's the sister's name Violet Violet when we're t- they're talking about Violet's inventions mm. and you see all the practical things mm. doing this and this and ding dong very Wallace and Gromit yeah, or yeah. you know the world of Edward Scissorhands you know with his master and very practical things that are on set but come across so homely and worldly yeah. on film mm. and then that style is carried out throughout the film i just it just felt like a a, a nice warm hug <laughs> it's, it's it, i agree it's this film has always felt incredibly inviting despite how dark it can get and and a lot, yeah, it's, a lot it's, of the it's a dark envi- film. A lot it's of the environments are made to look very cold and uncomfortable yeah, yeah. but at the same time you feel like you're kind of everything's going to be okay and you know, it's a 
not I don't know if that's the theme of the film that everything will be okay if you sort of stick together and keep your chin up or not I'm not sure but um it's yeah it definitely goes places that's definitely like I reckon that's the theme of the film like the last letter they read from their parents is sort oh. of saying kind of saying the, exactly the same thing it's yeah. sort of stick together and you'll sort of you know you'll have happy days yeah that's it and that that's the thing like that that sequence at the end and this film is did come out in 2004 i feel like we're sort of a little safer with spoilers for this one than perhaps <laughs> others but um that sort of that's last sequence where where they do go back to the the burnt mansion is that's one that's always like wow this is quite um sensitively done it's quite well done and it's something um, produced just solely for the film as well Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't appear in the books. Um, but it's always been quite... I've always been upset that they never went on to adapt the other books. Obviously, it's too late now because all the uh, the children actors in this are would be far too old. Yeah. But um, they could have very easily have gone on to make the other books. I'm assuming... I don't know if this film maybe just didn't make enough money when it came out. I don't know. Y- yes and no. Um, I think it's just, it was sort of an awkward position. It did, it did make money. Yeah. Um, but I suspect it probably didn't make enough for them to go, okay, a second film, mm. which is, which is surprising because Jim Carrey was, was more than willing to mm. sign on for more. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I read somewhere he said this is one of his favorite roles yeah. he's ever done. And I can see why. Like, it's a lot of fun. It's very he, d- he, d- he does look like he's enjoying it yeah. throughout the film, um, even though he's pay- playing. The villain, yeah, yeah, he does it just such a fantastic job. You really do, for the most part, love to hate him. For the most part, there are some times where you go, "This man is pure evil." <laughs> um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun. I think one of the things that hasn't sort of sat well over the last fifteen years with this film is maybe its structure, and uh, I, I think that's why at some stage I'm actually going to sit down and watch a Netflix show because it is three seasons. It's it's uh, like three episodes to a book. Mm. Um, each book is getting well fleshed out and I, I think in hindsight I'm not a huge fan of splitting up the first book into it being the first bit of the film and the last bit of the film yeah yeah it is it is an interesting choice they they've made it's it's I can sort of see why they've done it yeah um but I, I have to agree but have, I mean I have seen um season one of the the tv show and I find that that the show even though it is quite faithful to the books it doesn't have that warm comforting feeling that this film does and as a result if you watch the tv show i can't remember how many episodes it is in season one i think it's like 10 or something it as a result because you don't have that comfort that this film does you it gets quite laborious to watch it mm-hmm. whereas this film even though you feel for these kids and and you know i mean they're not in a good spot you know they, they're getting sort of thrown around quite a bit you, you never get tired of it it's still quite easy to watch in a in a weird way. I still I still sort of think they could have done just a, a linear structure, book one, book two, book three, and still ended on a pretty a pretty wholesome note. It didn't have to sort of jumble up all three books. Yeah, yeah. As as someone who hasn't seen any of the books, <laughs> I have or indeed, no or indeed read them. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I can read good book. Um, <laughs> who hasn't read the books? I. I enjoyed like the structure. I was quite happy with the structure. Mm. There was nothing that threw me off about the story. And you, you sort of think, okay, how is everything going to wrap up and be happy for the characters? But the film handled that premise quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I think a lot of that can be owed to um, Thomas Newman's soundtrack, who, oh, yeah. who also did 1917 from our first episode. His soundtrack in this film is fantastic. 
It is really good. And and again, that, that's that's something that sort of well, it doesn't bother me, but took me by surprise rewatching the trailer. Is obviously Thomas Newman's score is not used in the trailer. It's much more of a Danny Elfman kind of yeah. Tim Burton score in the trailer. And then you watch the film, and it's this really delicate, sensitive, mm. well composed string orchestra. Sometimes soundtrack. it can be really uneasy. And sometimes, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's like a it's an adult soundtrack. It sort of balances the the kids' point of views. Um, it's a marvelous piece of music. I really like it. Matt, as you were saying before, like the cast is quite. There's a lot of weight. They're, they're, well, that. I mean, they got Mel Streep to be in this. Yeah, and she's not even a lead character, but she, you know, she's memorable. She obviously had fun as well. Absolutely, she had. I mean, she has some of the best lines in the film. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's realtors. <laughs> I'm afraid the doorknob will cr- uh, smash and split into a million. Oh, pieces. what a fantastic sequence! That is a great. How yeah, she's yeah. talking about all these concerns, and then they're like, "How is that even possible?" Yeah, like the the fridge falling over and crushing you flat, yeah. that kind of thing. Or yeah. the the stove catching a fire. Yeah, that's and- right. Yeah, this film always sort of stays with you in both its feeling and then also just in all the ca- all of the characters are so quotable. Even for like the throwaway lines, like "Oh, Mister Poet, you look good. Do you work out?" It's like a kind of distraction. <laughs> like it's just so effortless. It's almost like they were just making it up on the day. It's, it comes across so so nice. Um, I didn't realize this movie was an Academy Award winner. Oh, really? Oh. What did it get? Best makeup, and it was nominated for about uh, four others as well. I think Thomas Newman's score uh, got a nomination. Uh, it was it was mostly technical sort of. Mm. Uh, awards but yeah it's it definitely it grabbed the attention of a lot of people yeah, it was a pretty slick film yeah it is a pretty slick film um and it has it does have a lot of layers in terms of um, lemony snicket's narration interrupting moments within the film like when his ribbon jams at one point and it stops the film because he has to change his ribbon yeah. before before the <laughs> film can continue it's that kind of um extra layer of comedy that they they've sort of pulled off without sort of drawing attention to it at the same time they make it look very easy which is really nice. You made a, a terrific point before the podcast. It did feel a little bit like a, a Tim Burton film. Yeah, no, it, it does. I think more more in its set design, I think, more yeah. than anything else. More subdued and more accessible, I think, as well. And, and I hate to say I, I, I do like Tim Burton's work, but I think this is more meaningful. Okay. Um, I feel like t- if Tim Burton were to make this film, it would be a little, believe it or not, a little more zanier, and I think it would have less heart, perhaps. Johnny Depp would be Count Olaf. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and I don't... I. Jim Carrey was just born to play this role, and I don't think anyone, in, yeah. even Johnny Depp back in his 2004 would have been Johnny Depp's heyday. Um, I don't think he could have done nearly as good a job mm-hmm. at, at this. It does make it more accessible, doesn't it, to a greater audience? Yep. The way that it's been handled. Well, I think the fact that, that I mean, you know, we, you've watched it for the first time um, today or earlier, and you still really liked it. It works for adults as well who yeah. know nothing about it. Um, and if you know if people haven't seen it, then do yourself a favor and go and watch it because it's really good. I'm actually surprised it doesn't really have like sort of a a cult following to some extent as well. Just guess it's got all those sort of those those hallmarks about a cult film. It's, um, it's sort of been well, forgotten it, by the public. And, even the um, the sort of uh, the group that the parents are part of with their with their spy glasses, they're sort of part of a, a bit of a club. They they sort of unmask conspiracies. It's touched upon in the film. A much bigger deal in the books, obviously, but it's, mm. they, they, it's never fully expanded in the film. And again, I think that's why there was room for, for sequels. Um, but it's even that kind of thing. I'm like, you're building on what you're saying. I'm surprised there aren't forums on the internet like picking that apart and and sort of saying, oh, what were they? What were they doing? What, yeah. were they, what was this group up to? That kind of thing. Because that's always really fascinating. It's like, well, what were they doing? They've all these photographs of all these people together, and they're all part of this club. But we never really find out what they're doing. 
it, cre- it creates a world that you want to explore it further. Does. And yeah, it sort of said, you know, made me sort of go, well, maybe I should read read the books. <laughs> good. They are good. They are a good read. They're a bit. They can get a bit full on, I think, later on. But yeah, they're they're, they're good read. I'm I'm old enough. Yeah, you, you should handle that. I should hope. Yeah, yeah. You polish them off in an afternoon. Well, you polish off like at least one in an afternoon. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, don't underestimate how slow I read. <laughs> <laughs> you must have really struggled with Parasite in the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I speak Korean. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. How how are we all feeling about this film? Like, just in terms of, well, of castaways, do we want to do we want to start giving it a, a bit of a rating? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to start. Okay, so as a, I'm sort of that middle ground. I haven't seen, I know nothing about the rest of this series, so I can come to the film with a general idea. And I thank the time tug for bringing the film to us today. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, still not sure about that name. Toot, but that- toot, <laughs> toot, toot. Uh, I as as an accessible film to watch of an evening. I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a lot of. Uh, it's funny. It's dark in parts it addresses a lot of very serious issues but as a kid's film it does a really good job of doing that and for that i really enjoyed it i love the art style and for that um i'm gonna give it well what's our rate what what are we gonna do i actually had an idea i know it's sort of really pushing our Mm. our island theme but i thought we could do crates of cursed aztec gold oh yes that belongs in a a museum Is that is that something to do with the series oh, in no, some no, way? No, it's just yeah, it could be like a bit of a piratey. Oh, okay. Thing, cursed, yeah. cursed crates of Aztec gold. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. All right, wonderful. That's that's. I'm actually really, mm. I, I'm really pleased with that because, like I said earlier, I I really look at this through a nostalgic lens. So I'm really kind of yeah, well yeah, very relieved. I think that the film can work on someone who hasn't grown up with it. Like it still has that charm and can still win people over. Yeah, it holds up to it, today yeah. without without a doubt. And I think that's I think that's wonderful because I I really do adore this this movie for because I I understand everything it's it's trying to do and I think it achieves it all so effortlessly. I care about every single one of the characters. I don't know if that's because of the writing or just the casting is so good. Yeah, like I said before, to, to use your words. Um, Alex from an earlier episode it really does give me laugh give me cry that's the best way I can really put it I yeah I really love this movie um so I'm I'm gonna give it 4.5 oh 15 years on and now I think yeah the structure is, is bothering me and it's gonna be one of these circumstances where I can't divorce the book from the film I'm, I'm just sort of I'm there I'm watching the film and I'm going you know this needs to follow a sequential order <laughs> That might be the wrong opinion, but that's just sort of how I'm feeling ab- about it at the moment. That being said, amazing cast, amazing direction, amazing art. Uh, it just it just feels so like depressing and and <laughs> and and well fitting. Mm. Like, it'd be a four for me. That's that's, that's quite solid. So is that a twelve and a half? Yeah. Is yeah, is yes. my yes. my math good? Yes. I think math so. good. Yes. Well, that's I always like it when math good. Yes. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, so Matthew, what was it? Tropic, uh, uh, crates of cursed Aztec gold. Twelve and a half out of a potential fifteen. This is because of Johnny Depp, isn't it? I think so. I think yeah. that's how we got here. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> so yes, Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. The two thousand and four film. Yeah. Not to be confused with the current Netflix series. No. Don't don't bother with that rubbish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor old Patrick Harris. <laughs> Uh, well, when we've watched all three seasons, then we had yeah, well, that's a maybe. lot of media consumption to get through. 
so we have been the Trailer Island podcast. You can find us at trailerisland.com.au. You can send us an email or contact us through the website. You can also visit it on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And what else is there? At Island Trailer Twitter. Yeah. Is it Twitter? There's, there's actually an Instagram as well. And an Instagram um, as well. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. you know, put some episode notes up there. Maybe we should start taking photos the website? of website? Go to the website. Well, yeah, go to the website. Amazing. Always feel free to contact us with uh, suggestions. We, we do love love those coming and through. And that's where that came from tonight. That was yeah. a suggestion sent in by Callum. Yes. I think he wanted the Netflix series. He did. But... Hopefully you're happy, Callum. We hope, <laughs> we hope so. Uh, and yeah, we appreciate your time. And we will see you on the next week, next week's another yeah. episode you get, you'll get there oh, I'll, yeah I'll work it out by then of the Trailer Island podcast I've been your host Alex I've been joined by Steve and Matthew and we'll see you next time on the Trailer Island podcast every Wednesday Trailer Island podcast goodbye <laughs>